Hey, what's up, homies? You're back for another episode of Cholo Stereo Podcast. This is the fifth episode brought to you by Lower Arizona. And for my guest on this episode, I'm going to be talking to Jose Galvez, an amazing Latino photographer and a speaker. He goes to a lot of universities around the country and does uh, talks. He talks with a lot of a photo, uh, a lot of journalism majors, photography majors, and uh, he is pretty iconic when it comes down to uh, the photography game. He took pictures of Cesar Chavez. He went down to the LA riots back in 1992. He's done a lot of work in the Chicano community as far as Tucson. He has an amazing book that's out of print now, but I'm fortunate enough to have a copy. It's called Vatos. Has some amazing photography and poetry in there. And um, I'm excited to talk with him and I'm excited for you guys to listen and maybe give me some feedback if you like. Um, he is a very, very nice guy. I was fortunate enough to talk to him for a little bit today. And uh, here we go. Episode number five of Cholo Stereo, Jose Galvez. Hello. Hi, is this uh, Senor Galvez? Yes, you can call me Jose. This is Miguel. Hey, Jose. How are you? Yes, it's Miguel. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing today? Oh, so far so good. Can't complain. That's good. Can't can, complain. Can you hear Pardon? me? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to thank you for taking some time to talk to me and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you getting back to my email so promptly. Well, I, I believe in answering uh, communications fairly quickly. I get very disturbed with with people when they don't respond to me real quickly it all goes back to my professionalism yeah as a journalist you know it's like right. hey you know I, yeah i believe I in that as well <laughs> yeah that's that's one good thing so, about having good communication amongst professionals just you know quick uh, prompt responses yeah yeah so um i wanted to talk to you about about anything that's going on in your life right now just as far as get our listeners up to date about things that you've been doing out in North Carolina. And I apologize. I thought you were still located in Tucson, but then I did some further well, research and uh, it looks like you were, you, you do live in North Carolina now. Yeah, we were coming up on 15 years here in North Carolina. Uh, it was kind of a combination of variety of reasons. We moved from Tucson and maybe we'll get into that later. Okay. But yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I miss the desert. I miss, uh, the Chicano culture of the Southwest, we don't really have that out here. <laughs> right. That was that was going to be my question. Is there any type of uh, Mexican-American culture, Mexican culture, Chicanismo out there, anything like well, that? Well, there, there is the, the Mexican culture, mm-hmm. of course. You know, the, the majority of Latinos out here are Mexican heritage. Uh, when, I, when I go on all my college talks, and mm-hmm. I go into the various communities. I think I have met maybe a couple of handfuls of people who identify themselves as Chicano, Chicanx. Right. Uh, <laughs> mostly they're they're uh, you know uh, Mexican, uh, Central American, Caribbean. You know, like Dominicanos or Puerto right. Ricanos, Cubanos. Uh, yeah, a lot more yeah. Latin influence out there. Yeah, but very few uh, Chicanos or Chicanas uh, out here. <laughs> right. How do you feel about the whole uh, kind of changing of the, not changing, but the new generation coming up and adding the X in there to kind of in- include all males and females by just using that one word, that Chicanx? I, I, you know, in my presentations, I sort of go all over the place from Chicanos, Mexican-Americans, Mexicanos, Hispanics, Latinx, it, it it all varies in in my my presentation. Right. You know, I'm not going to refer to the Chicano movement as a as a Latinx movement. It was a Chicano movement. Right. You know, uh, the, uh, the Mexican American experience. So, primarily, I think I use the Latinx when it comes to maybe. I look at I I look at my audience. The majority of my right. audience is Anglo. Mm-hmm. Non-Latino. Right. Uh, the only time I really have a heavy Latino or Latinx audience might be like maybe in one of the uh, uh, Latin American uh, cultural classes, uh, you know, Hispanic studies, one of those, or, or one of the uh, uh, 
uh, lassos or mecha student organizations. Right. Um, do you do anything with uh, the college out there in North Carolina, or what are you doing well, as far I've, as... I've, I've done presentations. I've done exhibits. Right. Uh, so I know, I know you do a lot of speaking at, at universities. A lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm coming up on like 125, 150 different colleges, universities, wow. libraries, high schools. That's amazing. Uh, since we since we really have transitioned over to that being my primary uh, focus. Have you done any, done any uh, lately? Well, um, in the spring I went to, where did I go? I was just a little foggy. Uh, Drake University okay. and uh, Simpson College in Iowa. Wow. Um, there was something else. Oh, there was a community college in North Carolina. Most of my program is, is during Hispanic Heritage Month. Okay. How was that? So, uh, how was that Iowa? The Iowa audience. That was good. It was primarily a journalism department that brought me out there. So she did a very good job of programming me for the different departments. So it, it was a good audiences, and it was in Des Moines, and okay, it was. Actually, fairly uh, liberal, surprisingly. Oh, really? You know, Iowa, you think is, Iowa's been a very red state, and it, and it is primarily a very red state, but the... Yeah, so is Arizona, unfortunately. Well, now, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I got I got a good, uh, good response. Well, that's good. It was good. a good program. Yeah, that's real good. Um, how do you feel about, as far as uh, what you just said right now, as far as people being... Um, kind of liberal out there in Iowa. Do you think that movement is growing and getting bigger to, you know, not take over, but just kind of have a stronger side of uh, side of things when it comes to, I guess, Republicans and Democrats and then, you know, liberal people that do identify as uh, liberal or their views as liberal? You mean here in North Carolina or in Iowa or where I was at? Yeah, in Iowa and in North Carolina. Well, you know, I think I think the reality is that Iowa is going to trend probably still red, even though uh, Latinos are a major labor component in the state of Iowa. Um, North Carolina, kind of, you know, the Latino population here is coming up on 900,000. And they, they expect to be a million population in the next, I think, within the next 10 years, which would be about, I don't know, 9, 10% of the total state population. Yeah, that's not too much, but... Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's considerably a lot more than yeah. some of the other southern states. You know, right. you think about I know. West Virginia, you think about, you know, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Some of those other uh, southern states where it's much much smaller. Right. Have you? Uh, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, like I said, but I live in, or we live in Durham, North Carolina, which is a pretty, it's a pretty blue part of the state. Okay. Uh, we have North Carolina has thirteen U.S. representatives, and we have one of them. Wow. So, uh, yeah, we're. It's a much more liberal, right. not radically liberal. I mean, we still have ICE, and we still have, yeah. you know, the letters to the editor uh, from the old uh, Southern people. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. How do you, just to move on to uh, a different subject containing ICE, so I can segue into that. Um, how do you feel about the whole uh, ICE situation? I mean, oh, as far as people... I mean, we're calling for an abolishment of ICE because we ha- we didn't yeah. have it in the past, and we don't really need to need it now, in my opinion. But what are your thoughts no. on that? Well, it, is, it, it was an unnecessary uh, uh, creation of a previously uh, established arm of uh, what immigration control, mm-hmm. uh, you know, border patrol. I mean, we've always had that. I think there, you know, here, here I might get a little. Uh, I, I sometimes do feel I do have some conservative parts to me. Right. I, I do believe in law enforcement. 
Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the whole thing about the border, but I do believe that, you know, if if uh, if you're a criminal and you've done something bad that it warrants your arrest, uh-huh. then you should face the consequences. Right. And that's what I should, any other law authority should be going after, the real criminals. But right. the reality is they don't. Right. And that's what pisses me off is they don't. Right. They're you focusing know. more on just strictly, solely our status and, uh, you know, you know, hardworking it, people that are just trying to feed sure. their families. Sure. If you came across the border illegally, you're a criminal. Well, that's bullshit. Right. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, if you do come across the border illegally and you do get stopped or something, and I think some of the uh, Democrats are, are pushing mm-hmm. to make it a civil offense. Right. A civil offense. Right. I mean, it's 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 much, it's a much bigger uh, issue than just tr- instead of criminalizing it, making it a civil issue. It's a whole thing of uh, integration quotas and numbers and permits and you know H two A's or whatever programs. Uh, we need a very sensible and fair and very comprehensive immigration reform right uh which is not happening and it's not going to happen anytime soon yeah i don't think so i don't think so either uh with this administration and i don't even know about the next administration because from the looks of it uh he you know trump just might take the 2020 we never know but there's a lot of people out there that support him and that administration is not going to change anytime soon if he stays in office right 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 yeah, so it's um, ICE right here has been kind of, you know, sporadic. I mean, there's there's been no big uh, ICE raids. There's been a lot of individual mm-hmm. uh, apprehensions, and the big issue in the state right now is um, the state legislature, which is uh, controlled by the Republicans, are trying to push through. Uh, there's some sheriff's departments mm-hmm. in you know, the various counties who are not honoring the ICE uh, requests. Okay. So, you know, they're not letting, they're not informing ICE of, of, of people that they might have in the jails. Oh, okay. And so the legislature is trying to push through legislation that would make it... Um, Illegal for sheriff's departments not to cooperate with ICE. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they collude a lot together. I mean, probably 100% yeah. of the time. But um, are you aware of, uh, have you heard anything about what's going on out here in Tucson, how we're pushing for a uh, sanctuary city here? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do read the, the Daily Star on the Internet every now and then, but oh, okay. I don't know. I don't keep track of it every every day. Yeah. We only get like I forget how forget how many uh, courtesy reads in a month. So right. <laughs> uh, I yeah. usually follow it during the football or basketball season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't blame you there. So, but uh, no, what's happening in Tucson besides the sanctuary city? Um, well, that's kind of the major thing that's going on right now. We uh, we have some elections coming up next month for uh, city council. I have a good friend. Her name is uh, Lane Santa Cruz. She's running for Ward 1. I went to school with her. And uh, another friend of mine up in Phoenix, he just won a uh, council spot in uh, Phoenix. His name is Carlos Garcia. So I have uh, some good friends doing some good work all around Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, can I ask you some personal questions? Are sure. You, are, are you from Tucson? Yeah, I'm from Tucson. I'm born and raised. Uh, born in 1983. Oh, yeah. You were born in 83? Yeah. Okay, so you're coming up on... Uh, 30, I'm 36. I'll be 37 in January. 37, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we wouldn't know very many people in common aside from the old veteranos. Right. Yeah. Rahava, Lupe Castillo. Right. Uh, you know, Valdenegro, Jorge Lespon, Ruben, all the politicos, uh, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are my generation. Right. <laughs> That's why I was so excited for you to be on this podcast because I want to, I want to connect with 
the older generation and bring that younger generation together so we can all stay informed as a community and come together as a community because I think all of us together, although our views might be different in some aspects concerning certain things, you know, when it comes to people of color and Chicanos out here, um, I feel like the, the need for us to stick together is, uh, I, I think it's very strong and I think we need to, you know, stick together as much as possible. So where do you want to keep going with this conversation? you want to get into history, my background, all that sort of stuff? Or? Yeah, sure. Um, I, re I was really interested in uh, the, the photos that you took of Cesar Chavez and that whole that whole time era. Wow. That was amazing. Well, because I, I first uh, photographed Chavez probably, God, I was really bad when I was young in terms of uh, <laughs> cataloging and... Uh, all my work. Right. I think the first time I, I do remember photographing Chavez, he came to do uh, a presentation at the UVA, and I think it was right around 1970 or 71. So I photographed him at the uh, the old student ballroom yeah. uh, at the university. And then later, I think it was on the same trip, he went over to Barrio Hollywood and then Barrio... Um, I want to say Old Pasqua, which is, was uh, right off of Grant and um, Main Avenue, right North Main Avenue, okay. if I remember correctly. And he did a walking tour of, of that old barrio. But in, in uh, Barrio Hollywood, he was, he did a little program for uh, Chicanos on strategy, strategy for, I think we, back then we were boycotting uh, Safeway. Oh, really? So I got, and if you if you look at my website on on my Chavez exhibit page, I think you'll see a picture of him at a chalkboard. Yeah, I'm looking at it actually right now because I just want to make sure I have the references correct. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he's he's at a chalkboard, and it looks like there's lines, and there's actually like I think streets, and I think he's was trying to tell us, okay, you you need to set up the pickets here or there right. or wherever. Yeah, in the picture, he is holding chalk, and he draws a square, and it looks like what appears to be some yeah. streets. So that was right around 1970. Mm -hmm. And then later, a couple years later, I photographed him. And I think it's also there uh, up in Phoenix, which I think was one of his first fasts. Is that when he is uh, in the white coat, and he's sitting down, and he looks a little tired? Or he, look, he yeah. might, might be sleeping. No, 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 that, that was later. Oh, that was later. It's kind of a, a really a black picture. Um, and he's kind of looking up. I thought it was on there. Mm, there's not really too many dark ones here. The darkest one that I'm seeing here is of what appears to be a woman and two gentlemen standing in a room. And it looks like she's sewing the... Uh, the United Farm Workers logo on a uh, on a sheet. Oh no, that's not Chavez at all. That's that's uh, one of the, our Chicano protests okay. uh, when we were we were students. No. Uh, okay. But yeah, so that was one of the probably the his first fast that he was calling attention to the use of uh, pesticides in the right, right. Arizona uh, produce fields. How long? How long did you follow him while he was fasting? Was it just that? Well, one time? In, in, in Phoenix, I was only—it was only like just that afternoon. I never really would follow a fast because then I was under my professional, you know, uh -huh. occupation. So right. it would be a matter of okay. going and covering them on assignment. Oh, okay, so you just and kind then, of and then there. having to return that same day to get the pictures out. Oh, okay, I see. So I covered him. I covered him sporadically over the next 20 years. Did you get yeah. to know him fairly well? Like, oh, know? no, 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 not really. It was People mostly always, just did, kind of like... Do you know, did you, did you know him personally? I said, no, not really. It's almost like, you know, you're... I was like in awe right. of a man. It's kind of like, you know... And because of the, of the transient nature of of a journalist profession... Right. You you basically go from one assignment to the next. Yeah. You run across people, and you photograph them for the twenty minutes or the two hours, and then you have to return. Yeah, and then you got to move on to the next thing, huh? Yeah. 
It looks like yes. you, you have a Dolores Huerta in here as well. Yeah. Yep. I, I photographed all the biggies. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Dolores, uh, Tierina, uh, Gonzalez. Uh, um, I never photographed Angel Gutierrez of the, of the, uh, the Brown Berets or, or the, or the uh, La Raza Unida party. Okay. But, but yeah. Yeah, all so, your photos are are lovely. I think they're they're great. I love black and white myself. Yeah. As and I'm assuming that's your favorite form of uh, photography. I, I still photograph only in black and white. Yeah. What do you? What would you give? What kind of advice would you give to uh, any photographers coming up in uh, the game right now? To pay attention to composition and uh, being still. And observant, mm-hmm. you know, don't be moving all over the place. Edit. So, you know, today's photographer, especially with the digital technology, right. they have a tendency to just shoot, shoot, shoot. And I think, you know, it's that doesn't make you a great photographer. That makes you a really good technician mm-hmm. because... The you're not really paying attention to the to the content of the image. You're just you're just taking from it. Right. You're just trying to and, take as many angles as you can to get the. And, and then you'll you'll find that ah that that's it right there, that's it right there. Yeah. Whereas back in my day and still with with film, I really really wait. You know, there's a, there's an old photographic expression going back to Cartier-Bresson in the 1930s. I wait for that decisive moment. You know, the the, the moment that speaks the most right. of whatever it was that I was photographing. Sometimes there can be several of those moments, but still, I think uh, today's visual uh, image maker they don't wait. They just Take it, take it, take it. Right. And and then when they get to edit in, they said, "Okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, this is the one." Right. So you really weren't being a really good photographer. You're you're letting the technology sort of dictate to you what the image is going to be. Mm-hmm. You're kind of acting like paparazzi in that case, right? You're just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of taking in the experience and uh, trying to get the best photo you can. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great images out there. But I would venture to say it took a lot of images to get to that one image. Right. As opposed to, you know, you really are really a really good photographer because you got that one image in a, a very limited amount of time. Right. I understand where you're coming from on that. You see it a lot when uh, when we have events here. I see it when um, things are going down, people are speaking. They're just kind of, photographers are all over the place. And instead of just kind of standing in one point and maybe waiting for the right moment to get that, you know, yeah. that great pose or that great expression from whoever's speaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. And it looks like you have a lot more to offer on your website as well. And actually, I'm going to, Go ahead and give our listeners, um, once I post the, the uh, podcast, a uh, link to your website so they can go yeah. ahead and take all the, all this great information in. And another thing I wanted to ask you about was the the riots that you have here on the website as well. Oh, in 1992. the Los Angeles riots? Yeah, in 1992. Mm-hmm. How, did that, how did that affect you? I mean, or did it affect you at all? Or Well... I, I actually missed the the actual rioting in, in Los Angeles. I was um, you're there for like the aftermath. The aftermath. I was out of town. Mm. They had a National Hispanic Journalists Association uh, conference, and it was in I think if I remember correctly, it was in Albuquerque. So it just sort of happened when when, when I was on the road. I was actually uh, uh, on the road with a, a Daily Star photographer. Now I know you know him, Fred Ariza. Um, I'm, it's not ringing a bell, but I can definitely, I can definitely look it up. Well, Fred was over at the Daily Star. He just, he just, uh, uh, took a buyout in the last few months, but, uh, he was at the Star for about 30 years. So 
we were attending, a, like I said, a journalism conference in Albuquerque when I when it, the news broke, and I thought about it. I said, well, should I go back for it? Yeah. And you know, I I'm not a thrill seeker. <laughs> okay. I'm not a thrill seeker, and um, I don't know. I, it's not that I was afraid to go back. I just I said, well, you know, let's just see what happens. Just let it play out. Maybe it'll be over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Right. Um, and so I, it was over. I forget how many days. And so by the time I got back to Los Angeles, <clears throat> as I drove around, I said, well, Look at! I started photographing more so for myself, right? And I was looking at it differently, as you can see on the thing. I was looking at how things burn. You know, what is the aftermath? Right. Graffiti, uh, people picking through the rubbish, uh, the Latino angle, the angle for the Latinos. You know, mm-hmm. I think I got some some church evangelists on the corner and. Uh, yeah, I see that here. The various things like that. So, yeah, I did this more so for myself, and you know, I, I those pictures actually haven't been shown very much. I had a major exhibit of it last year in um, uh, Memphis. Okay, at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis. Cool. And the National Civil Rights Museum is actually housed in the Lorraine Motel, where Dr. King was assassinated so I was quite wow I was quite honored to be have the exhibit shown there right and it was the first time they actually had a solo exhibit by a Latino wow so that was a it was another sort of, wow cool you know yeah that's major <laughs> yeah but like I said uh, other than that the the images haven't really been shown very much um, in fact now they're in a box and they probably there probably won't be much call for them for another probably until the next anniversary. Will there yeah. be a 30th year anniversary? You know. And all, all it takes is I could I could probably market it. Uh-huh. You know, say okay. Yeah. You know, how does how does writing affect a community? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the comparison between the Los Angeles riots and the rioting in Ferguson? Right. Or or some other community. Right. You know, Baltimore or New York or something. Right. Next time that there's a, you know, an unjust police killing or something or, or yeah. a majority verdict. For a while there, it was happening all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel the uh, Latino or Chicano community should, I guess, assist or try and help or be as much of a ally and accomplice and comrade to the african-american community when things like that happen well i think we should all be in solidarity with each other right black and brown and, unity and, right and unity but unfortunately that that hasn't always been the case yeah that yeah. hasn't always been the case you Unfor- know it's almost yeah. like you know it, it all depends on the community it does you know uh, because a lot of the times know, i feel mexicanos in general are are not really interested in kind of going out to support the African-American community when things like that happen, you know, like Ferguson or another unjust killing or a protest or a demonstration. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm just saying most of the time, McDonald's will say, you know, it's not our fight or, you know, that's that's unfortunate for them, but I'm just going to stay over here and, you know, mind my own business, but... Yeah, because it, it's it's a very complicated relationship that, right. that uh, Latinos have with the African American community mm-hmm. uh, historically. Historically, you know, right. going back to to you know the conquest days, going back to slavery, going back to uh, the establishment of the African community in places like Puerto Rico, uh, Cuba, Veracruz. Mm-hmm. You know, and and also it also goes back to the whole European um, influence of the first Spaniards over here and how they really valued that whiteness. Yeah, they kind of use that to their advantage. Yeah, yeah, and and so it's a very complicated 
very complicated uh, issue. You know, we always talk about Brown versus Board of Education, you know, being the the, the groundbreaker for school integration. Well, mm-hmm. you know, there was a court decision back in the 1940s in California. Um, was it what Mendes versus um, I forget the school district, school district, and it was in the Southern California area. Okay, that. There was actually a pre-precedent for Brown, where this uh, Mexican girl, parents wanted her to go to the school that was in their neighborhood, which was a white school, but she they weren't allowed. Right, is that the uh, Mendez versus Westminster? Yeah, yeah, Mendez, yeah. Mendez, right. Yeah, and so that never really gets any press. That never really gets any press. Yeah. But I really, you know, Thurgood uh, uh, Marshall actually researched that case for for Brown. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, it looks so, like it goes so, back to, what, 1947. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's complicated, and, you know, and, you know, I... I don't know. Like you said, labor. Labor's always been very complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, with the African Americans trying to really uh, guard their civil service uh, jobs and sanitation uh, all over the place. California, uh, the South. Right. You know, here in, in Durham, uh, almost all the uh, sanitation workers are African Americans. Wow. But every now and then I said, oh, there was a Latino in the back of that garbage truck. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm sure the African community, is, African-American community in North Carolina is, is uh, really, really, really large. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, and I, I look at that and I said, you know, why? I'm sure that the African-American uh, sanitation workers really, really are trying to keep a hold on to those jobs. They're not going to let the Latino Brown brothers, you know, try to come in here and start taking those positions. Mm. Yeah, it could but be. Then again, you never know. <laughs> but, but then again, the, the young African-American, they don't want those jobs. Right. They don't want those jobs. They don't. Right. It's almost like, you know, physical labor for a lot of the young African-American uh, uh, men is not something they want to pursue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would think that I would think that would hold true for a lot of this, a lot of the younger generation coming up. You oh know? yeah, they all want to, they all want to, the the big money, the big money. You know, I'm going to get the big money score here. I'm going to be a producer there. I'm going <laughs> to. Uh, no, you're not going to be. You're not going to be the next, uh, uh, you know, John Wall or. Kyrie Irving, basketball player, uh, right, multi- right. you're not going to be that. <laughs> right. So statistically speaking, it's uh, very, very difficult to get your hopes, your, your hopes set on something that's so out of reach. But I mean, again, I don't want to knock people's dreams, but yeah, you're right. As far as people you know, growing you, up. You're and, not going to get that scholarship to play basketball mm-hmm. at Duke University. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. Uh, only I, one, only one in a thousand or one in a. 10,000 are going to get that scholarship offer. Right, right. Yeah, that's why I think, uh, you know, trying to get the younger community up on more education is a, a lot better a lot better route, in my opinion, because I, unfortunately, did go to school, but it was only for a little bit. It was only for about a semester up in Pima. But in that semester, it totally changed my life because I was involved in Mecha. My good friend that I spoke about earlier, Carlos Garcia, he was in that as well. And he's still doing great things up in Phoenix. And it's still kind of in my in my blood to this day where I want to seek out more information, you know, try and do the best that I can for uh, Tucson and the Chicano community. Um, I'm doing a lot of things right now uh, musically and trying to be involved in um, a lot of things going around in the community. I just recently bought a, uh, a home. So I want to get more of the community there involved and coming mm-hmm. together and um, being a, having a strong community. Where, so, where did you buy your home? Um, it was on the south side of Tucson, and it's located on Valencia in between Old Nogales Highway. And, uh, like, do you know where the um, Valencia Library is? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's in in the back of that. I believe they call it Liberty or Fiesta Park neighborhood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. When's the That's last time that you've been back to Tucson? Oh, probably a couple years. I forget exactly what the occasion was, but it was it's been a couple of years. Yeah, any plans on coming back in the future? Um, I mean, we talk about moving back, but it's not in the, in the immediate future. It might be a few years. Okay. And you said you you said you had a brother that works in radio at uh, KXCI. Well, he, he he does a program at KXCI. Oh, okay. On Wednesday, Bobby uh, Galvez, Bob Galvez. Cool. Uh, so, yeah. But let's get into my photography. Yeah. Enough about the political stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit getting into trouble with my with my political uh, opinions and everything. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's totally fine. We can uh, we can focus on that as well. It's just sometimes the main focus gets on track because there's so much to talk about, you know, politically as far as the time right now, we kind of get hung up on it and we don't talk about the other things. But, um, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else as far as uh, pertaining photography that you wanted to give the younger generation or our listeners? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I always tell the younger generation when, when I'm doing my presentations is, you know, you, you are so, you were so, uh, blessed with this technology that you have in your hands nowadays, use it right, you know, use it to record your familia, you know, Uh, get away from all the selfies and and Mm -hmm. photographing your friends and, and, hey, mama, uh, look at me, let me look over here, take my picture, okay, you know, put your (laughs) arms around your uh, uh, daddy or something like that, you know, no, Mm -hmm. observe. Right. Watch, you know, uh, be sneaky, capture those candid moments. Oh, candid is the know, best, yeah. You know, do your, do your abuelos still live with you, you know? Are they affectionate? You know, you know, watch them. Right. And do, do they hold hands every now and then? Do they walk? Do they go for a morning walk and, and you know, do they do they take care of each Sneak into their room. Do they, do they have a little nicho? I know my grandmother had a, a, a nature where her picture, her mirror would have all these little pictures tucked around the, yeah. the edges of the photograph of the, uh, the mirror. Right. Yeah. Or they would have all these Santos and, and stuff, yep. you know, mm-hmm, photograph yeah. those little, those little moments, make prints, make photographic prints and put them into an album because you know yeah. the technology is always changing and crashing and getting lost and yeah, that's a huge thing because a lot of people especially on the the app of Instagram right are you familiar with that with Instagram no. so basically oh yeah oh yeah yeah my son does that okay you know? yeah yeah so that crashes a lot unfortunately and people don't have access to their videos or their photos but like you said it's uh a lot of older photographers or people that are just established, they're always saying, hey, you know, this is exactly why we say to print out your photos and have documents and back up your files so you don't lose those photos. And, and then I also tell my young audience, you know, I tell them and I'm, I'm pointing them that the image is so important and the print is so important. And people, kids, you're going to get old someday. Yeah. And, and, and there's such a magic and power when you you have that photographic album in your hand and you're flipping through the pages and you say, oh, I haven't remember that time we were doing that. Oh, remember Theo? Oh, remember when we were making tamales or we went to the picnic in the park and there, and oh, yeah, there's a picture of me breaking the piñata. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. You know, <laughs> the the image is such a powerful instrument for your memories yeah. and if you don't have that because you you had them all on on, on some uh cloud and that cloud crashed or the technology changed and you you can't access again to right. you know the image bank because it happens right yeah it does it happen ha- and you and you're gonna kick yourself and said oh i remember that photographer told me that we should have made prints and we should have. And honestly, I tell them, I said, how many pictures of these damn selfies uh, are you going to want right. to remember, especially when you're photographing 
every other hour or every day you're or photographing. Once a day, yeah. Once a day with your you you and your friends at selfies or whatever or right or you know some some BS you know yeah it's kind it of special. insignificant make it special make yeah. it special yeah I agree with so, you I only have one one uh, grandparent left my abuela she's holding on she's doing okay she's in good health but yeah like you said she's making tamales always every time I go to the house there's a tamale ready for me no matter what season. <laughs> And you're lucky. You're so lucky. Oh yeah, <laughs> I get sure. I get tamales from my brother once once a year at Christmas. Oh really? Just once a year? He, he yeah. ships them out to me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough, but <laughs> I know it's never enough. Yeah. You eat them. You could even eat them for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no matter what. So the, that's the, that's the main advice I give to the my my audiences about photography is to. Make that image special, make it candid, make a print, put it in, put it in an album. Right. But maybe make it, make it special and be observant, you know. Right. I have a friend, her name is uh, Rachel Frank. She's a photographer. She does a lot of work in Polaroid still. And I think those, mm-hmm. are, those are great photos as well because she took one of myself and I ended up uh, getting the digital copy from her, and I made it into a business card, and people love that photo. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a black and white photo as well. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, I, I keep doing what I'm doing. Um, most of my photography is when I go on the road. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking through the various communities. I try to do a little research before I go someplace. Right. I said, okay, you know, uh, I know that this this fall I'll be going to Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, Massachusetts, and I'll, I'll look for pictures on the road. Um, so it's, it's a hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Yeah. You know, a lot of communities don't have a big uh, Latino population. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do. Surprisingly, but even when they have a big Latino population, I'm very selective about what I photograph. Yeah, I still, I still gotta. It still has to strike me and say, "Wow, right." You know, this is this is something. Do you and take? Sometimes I'm a little bit more liberal because they said, "Well, you know, there's a lot here. Maybe I can make a whole, whole bunch of photographs in this one place, mm-hmm. and then I'll put it together as a, as a." exhibit or presentation for the area. For sure. So I said, okay, well, I know that I'm going to Boston in September. And I've been researching because I remember on NPR hearing a a profile of a little community somewhere in the Boston area that was something like 40 to 50% uh, Latinos, primarily immigrants. Wow. I said, wow, I need to to go uh, to that area and see what it looks like. Yeah, and, for sure. I would. I'm. I'm really intrigued to know what that community is like. You know, you know. I, I know that in in uh, Iowa there there was a a community that has really uh, been influenced by the Latino immigrants, and I, unfortunately I didn't have the time to go up there, and it was winter, mm. so it would have been a totally different situation. But yeah. you know, if I can get back there, that would be a, a good uh, place to photograph. It was, it was uh, actually part of a book called Storm Lake. Okay. You can research it, and it's actually a pretty interesting community. Yeah, it will. Uh, uh, Storm Lake, and it was actually uh, a book by this this uh, newspaper guy up there that won a Pulitzer Prize for his commentary. Right. And his name is Art, Art Collin. Okay, Storm and Lake. He's still, he's still fairly uh, active and very liberal, always railing against the uh, administration when he said... When the administration said, we are full, we don't need any more, the country is full, <laughs> Yeah. he wrote an editorial and said, no, we're not. Come up to Iowa. Yeah, right. We got we got lots of space. Yeah, I'm sure there's we tons of We need these hardworking people. Right, yeah. Um, speaking of books, so, I actually have Vato. I have the book Vatos. Oh, lucky you. Yeah, I know. There's not a lot of copies left. No, it's out of print. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to grab that and... Um, all the photos in there and the po- the poetry in there are just amazing. Oh, it, it still moves. It, 
it still moves me. It still uh, inspires me and sometimes makes me cry. Yeah. You know, I, I wish it was still in print because, you know, I think it would still do really well. I think so as well. I feel like there's a whole movement of Chicanos here in the Southwest. I would just love that book. Yeah. So, um, and then what I try to say with my images, I, I really try to say with with my images, and I think I've said this all along, is you know, this is who we are. Right. This is what we're doing. This is where we came from. Uh, and it's done with, 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 as I say in Spanish, con corazón, in the equal respect with heart and with respect. Right. For, for the people who trust me with their images, because I don't form relationships with the people. Right. You know, I'm a classic street journalist. Right. Just kind of uh, in and out, right? Yeah. I, I see something. I, I stop. I, maybe I introduce myself. I take the pictures. Um, they come together fairly quickly, or, or maybe it doesn't come together fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. They ask me what I'm going to do with it. I tell them, you know, it's for para mi exhibiciones, para mi pláticas. And then they ask, oh, what, what can I see, when can I see him? I said, well, <laughs> well, honestly, it's going to be hard because I take so many. Right. Actually, I don't take that many, but it takes a while for an image uh, to make it onto a piece of paper. Right. Okay. And then for it to make it into an exhibit. Yeah, I'm sure that takes time. Yeah, it takes time. Now, ask and because I'm not in that community, <laughs> uh, you know, it would be very... Uh, happenstance for them to actually see themselves. And honestly, the, the present Latino community is very transient. Mm-hmm. Aside from, you know, your historical uh, places in the Southwest, you know, Chicago, you know, the, the non-immigrant community. Right. The immigrant community, which has been my primary picture base the last probably 10, 15 years, is very transient. Mm-hmm. Very transient, you know. It's a combination of, of job opportunity, right. and and the whole, especially in the last uh, handful of years, the whole political climate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, uh, I'm not going to run across the same uh, people, right. even though I, I I might go back to the same community. They right. might have moved on. Yeah, I mean, like you said. Um all the families that are uh, undocumented, they're they're here to work, and they're going where the money is. So, like you said, they're and, not going to stay they, in one place. And they're going to go to a more welcoming community. Oh, obviously, yeah. Yeah, they're not going to stay someplace where it's it's not it's not cool or whatever. Right, or not, not safe. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's there's a a county, a couple of counties over from here that. You don't want to. You don't want to stop if you're Latino. <laughs> wow. If, if you're undocumented. Right. Uh, very, very racist. Very, very ice friendly. You know. Have you experienced any racism up there in North Carolina yourself? No, no, not really. Okay. Not, not That's really. Good, then. No, I mean, actually, I won't even say not really. No, I haven't. Yeah. And it's just a matter of I don't know. Maybe I. You know, I I don't look uh, very immigrante, mm-hmm. and even that even that goes to the whole thing of profiling. Right. You know, do you have to be dark skin brown? Right. To be <laughs> to be pulled over to be harassed, is that not your classic profiling? Yeah, I mean, you're you're right about well, that. That's most. Why are they pulling over that carload of white German looking people? <laughs> Yeah. Or or those Asian looking people, why aren't they being pulled over and asked for their identity papers? Mm-hmm. Are you are you legal? Yeah. They're not doing it. Or the African American, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, carload. Right. Yeah, carload I mean, is African Americans have a whole other issue of being pulled over for but they're not being pulled over by by ICE or right. have their house surrounded. <laughs> right. And it's funny because uh Carload is something that I think police officers do actually look for. They look through those windows and they see how many heads are in the car. And they're going to take their chance on finding if if someone in the car is uh, undocumented. 
Yeah. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Is there um, anything else that you'd like to know from me on, on my end? Well, like I said, yeah. So you, you're, you're a lifelong Tucson and you, you haven't left? I haven't left. I've only, <laughs> I've been to Washington, D.C., but that was back in high school for about a week. I've uh-huh. been to Mexico only a couple of times and California only a couple of times. But yeah, I, I, uh, I'm born and raised here and I don't have any plans on leaving. I love it here. I love this community. I love the people. And, I can uh, understand that. Yeah. I mean, my, my brother, Bob, you know, he, he never left. I mean, he left a couple of times when he was a teenager to go work in, uh, in the East Coast, mm-hmm. some uh, restaurant, but otherwise he's never left. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I encourage you to go out there and see the country. I mean, I definitely see want to. Yeah. Some of these uh, communities that you know that have been really influenced by the Latino experience. Yeah, I definitely want because, to. Because, like I said, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful. I always say in my in my presentations that we're living in a really. I don't use the F word. I think you can, we're living you in a very we're living in a very interesting time. History and this is what I say in my talk, history is a really interesting concept. And we're we're living through a very historical time in our nation's history. I I I honestly feel that we'll get through it. Yeah. I hope that we really get through it. The, the yeah, there's a lot of angry white people out there. Yeah, I agree. And, and that they feel that they've been passed over. And I, I, I don't know. I, and this is where I'm, I'm surprised that the that the Republicans on the conservative base doesn't say something or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. You I don't think are in control of your own destiny. You, yeah, maybe you're a poor white Southerner, whatever, or in Appalachia, yeah. or maybe you're you're a farmer who's been screwed over in Iowa. But you, you know, you can change that, right? You know these these these. Uh, these farmers and these people in, in West Virginia that put all their their hopes on this pendejo, <laughs> don't they yeah. realize they're getting, they're getting screwed? They don't. They don't. I mean, you know, what's his name was just in West Kentucky talking about what a great state. West Virginia is like, I think, 49th on the national poverty level. Mm. The coal industry is like something like... Uh, uh, 10 or 20% of what it used to be, and it's not going to come back. The black lung disease that they, these, these, these uh, people have from the coal industry, well, they're not going to get Medicaid or, or, or health care because there's no other health plan out there than Obamacare. Right. And, and, and that the Republicans don't have any sort of health plan in the works to right. replace that. Yeah, they didn't offer they any solution. And yet they 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 wholeheartedly support this this person. Oh yeah. You know, so I don't know. I I just feel that the it has to change and I'm I'm hopeful, you know, call me back in a couple of years. <laughs> uh when, you know, when things... you might have to reach me in Canada if if it doesn't change. <laughs> yeah. So, or maybe, or maybe Costa Rica. I don't, I don't think Costa Rica has a, a lot of problems in terms of, like, you know, Latino <laughs> violence down there. Yeah. And you never really hear about Costa Ricans uh, having uh, MS-13 or immigration uh, refugees. Yeah, you don't. You don't so, hear a lot about that from Costa Rica. So, or Panama- Panamanians or something. Mm-hmm. So, so you might find find us down there. Well, so, maybe. Yeah. It, yeah, maybe you can. So I don't know. Yeah, we come back uh, to Tucson too for a little bit. Well, like you said earlier, uh, Arizona has really changed, and and I say this in my presentations. I blame it on those damn immigrants. <laughs> those damn immigrants from Minnesota, New York, 
you know, New Jersey, uh, Vermont, Maine, that uh-huh. moved down there. <laughs> they, <laughs> they all transplanted, huh? And they all transplanted. Actually, if you if you you if you go back to uh, Arizona history, it really did change starting in the 1920s and 1930s because of all the outside uh, Anglo migration to the Southwest. Right. And they brought with them their attitudes and everything. Oh yeah. They brought their their architecture. They brought their 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 lawns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you if you if you read your your Arizona history, or you know, even your Tucson history, uh, like those Tucsonenses or whatever. Oh like yeah, that, the Tucsonenses. You'll, you'll see that in in the books that it started changing. You know, Spanish was uh, the primary language until the tens and the twenties, but then the and and the the Anglo population that was there mm-hmm. uh, before that. They embraced and they were married to the Mexicanas or the Mexicanos, and and their kids all went to Carillo and Drachman and whatever and Safford. Yeah. They all went together and got along great. Right. And you know, and they knew how to uh, make uh, you know the uh, the Gringas knew how to make Mexican food and chili coronado, mm-hmm. and loved it and everything. And yeah. there was when there was water in the Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I mean there there is again. There is again. Yeah, but, just, we just started putting uh, more water into that. But yeah, so I, I blame all this this uh, this rhetoric in Arizona right. on those damn immigrants from way back when. Right. So just to ver- uh, verify and clarify for our listeners, you're talking about more of the colonization of the white people that came from those eastern states down to Arizona. Right. 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 And brought their attitudes and eventually uh, started changing the the social and political base, which is only, I think, now starting to have maybe a change, uh, a change in there in the politicals. I know that Arizona, I mean, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, lower Arizona? Right. <laughs> Lower, lower Arizona has certainly always been right. much more blue, aside from mm-hmm. uh, Cochise County. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always has been much more uh, blue than the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, why I, I named it what I did, because this area, you know, southwest Arizona, Baja Arizona, which translates directly to lower Arizona, um, it's always been a lot different from Phoenix, from a lot of the northern states that are a lot more red. We've always tried to be... Always have mm-hmm. tried to be more blue and liberal, you know, and try to yeah. serve our communities and try and help everyone live a a better life, not just for one demographic of people. Right, right. Well, like I said, in closing, I want to say to your to your listeners, you know, um, respect the Latino culture, uh, and in terms of photographing, uh, be decisive. Get that great image, make it important, make it candid, make a print, and make it respectful. Right. And and then and also in closing, be hopeful and register to vote and do the right thing, as Spike Lee would say. Right on, Mr. Govez or Jose. I appreciate it. I'm, My uh, pleasure. Yeah. I'm very thankful that you took the time to talk to me. And uh, this podcast should be out very soon, and I'm very excited for my listeners to... Uh, here from a from a, a local Tucsonan out in North Carolina, that um, you're still thinking about us and you still read about us and you still are, uh, you know, we're still we're still in your mind, even though that you're in North Carolina, that you haven't forgot. Oh, gracias. Yeah, no problem. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, maybe I will take you up in that uh, offer in a couple of years and see where we're at and call you back. Alrighty. <laughs> okay. Thank you, and have a good evening. All right, you too, Mr. Gavis. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.